because I committed to the process. I got committed to the process. I said, all right, God, I can't do this on my own. And I've said this prayer a million times, but today I'm going to get outside of my own fear and I'm going to commit to the process. I'm not, I'm, I'm fed up with this controlling my life. I'm not going to take it anymore. And I submitted. I submitted to God. I submitted to my counselor. I went and got a counselor. I stopped trying to do things my own way. The things that failed me so many times. If you keep doing what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always got. The definition of insanity is trying to do something over and over again and expecting a different result. you got to get committed to the process, folks. And if you are committed to the process and you're getting tired and you're getting weak right now and you're thinking that, you know, that just sounds a lot better, sounds like I would like to have to give in to my flesh right now. I'm weak. I'm tired. This is tough. Going to see the counselor every week, going to the men's group every week. I'd rather be watching basketball or something. It's not easy. You push through all that. It's inevitable that your flesh at one certain point is going to want to turn back because you're actually, you're getting better. You're healing. Your flesh isn't used to you. Your flesh isn't used to the new you if you're committed to this process. You're probably stretching yourself. If you're starting to commit yourself to the process, you're out there and you're getting vulnerable. You're opening yourself up to people. You're getting emotionally naked. Open your heart, as scary as that is. And sometimes it's going to get bruised a little bit. That's part of your, your healing. It's part of making you a tougher person. Making you a soldier. That's why I'm so encouraged by a guy like uh, Mr. S, we'll call him, out there willing to take the hits seeing a counselor, willing to submit himself, willing to get emotionally naked in front of somebody else. That's a great thing about seeing a counselor is you're actually paying your money to get advice from somebody. You know, you go to the doctor and the doctor takes your money to treat you for a certain illness, whatever it might be. And, you know, usually they ask you to get naked, which is uncomfortable. But, you know, hey, you're, you're in there, you're paying your money, you want to get well, right? Take off your clothes and get naked. And you're like, all right, whatever. You know, go get the test, the surgery. You have to do that with a counselor, too, or you're wasting your money. That's why I'm glad it costs money to see a counselor. If it was free, I don't think people would appreciate it as much. That's the tough thing about uh, getting in a group. I think when a group really works is when people are getting emotionally naked in front of each other, which is so tough for us guys, especially. You know, we're really shy about that stuff. We're really uh, reserved. We're, our hearts are so beat up half the time that we, you know, exposing our hearts to somebody else and taking that risk is, takes a tremendous amount of courage. But soldiers have courage. Soldiers are willing to pick up the gun, willing to fight the battle, willing to run the miles, willing to take on those enemies. You're not a sum total of your sin. Jesus' anthem, you are not a sum total of your sin. Jesus came to this earth and he spoke to prostitutes and he spoke to the drinking folks and the partying people and the tax collectors and the 
you know, that's who Jesus reached out to. Why? Because they're more in tune to their brokenness. They're more ready to get emotionally naked before the physician, the great physician. So if you're spiritually beat, emotionally broken down, then great, rejoice. Yay! That's good. You can start moving forward. You can get up and start fighting. I think the only people that Jesus really got angry with was the Pharisees, the religious people of the day. The folks that thought they had it all under control. They thought that, you know, they had this outward uh, deal that they showed the rest of the world. You know, they'd be in the public square praying and they did it all for flash and they did it all for show. But on the inside of their heart, Jesus knew. He knew that they were just as broken and busted as everybody else. They were putting on this uh, facade for the world. It's a tough deal healing. It's a tough deal getting emotionally naked before somebody else. It's like taking a physical. But this is not like losing weight, folks. You know, I use the analogy of going to the gym and stuff. But this is, uh, this depends on where you're at. But this is a lot more critical. I think it's a lot more serious than that. I talked to you about a guy who, uh, in his early 20s, is in college. He's not a Christian. He's, uh... Not a real religious type in, in any way. And he uses porn. Doesn't think it's a big deal. And he has a girl that uh, comes to see him. A friend that he's known since he was a kid. And she comes into town, flies into town to see him. And They go out one night and have a few drinks too many. She has way too many drinks. And he takes her back to his hotel room. And uh, puts her in the, the bed and you know, takes her shoes off and lays her down there. And He said that uh, without even really knowing what he was doing, after he laid her down, he started to masturbate to the image of her. She was passed out. She didn't know what was going on, but he did that. He stood there and masturbated to the image of her laying there. And at that point, he realized that uh, he had a problem. This is something that came out of a place that he, he didn't think he would ever do something like that. He thought he had pretty good control over himself. He had no idea that he was capable of doing something like that. And I think that that is what porn addiction or sex addiction will come to eventually. There's so many stories out there, so many people who've got into trouble who said, this is not me. This is not something I would normally do. But if you keep keep soaking yourself with those images it's hard telling when it's not going to get you off anymore so I pray that you commit to the process man do the hard work get in the gym and exercise your heart don't end up another story like that don't end up in divorce court be a soldier be a fighter be someone your kids and your wife your community can look up to. Don't worry about the, what the naysayers are going to think. Don't worry about what those buddies of yours might think. For a lot of us guys, we're so in tune to our buddies. We're so into this weird loyalty to people who we know may be dragging us down with whatever it might be. We get around friends that uh, dishonor their wives. 
dishonor their families. They don't see porn as a big deal. What do you want to quit porn for? What are you, what are you doing this for? Come on, let's go to the strip joint. You got guys like that? You got friends like that? You got to distance yourself from that behavior, man. I'm not saying get rid of your friends. But if you want to be a light for your friends to follow, you've got to put your foot down and say, you know, I love you, dude, but that some of this stuff, I just can't do that anymore. And for some of you guys, they might call you a pussy. What are you, some pussy? Just say, hey, I love my wife more than I love going to the strip joint, looking at porn. I love my family more than that. And it is a big deal. What kind of radio shows are you listening to? You're listening to Howard Stern in the morning. Come on, it's funny, Russ. Lighten up. It's just funny. It's when the enemy can use humor just as much as anything else. It lightens it up a little bit. Makes it so it's not so evil. It's just funny. No big deal. Come on. What kind of stuff are you putting in your mind? You're right, it is funny. Some of that stuff is pretty funny. But where's it going to lead you in the long run? I'm not saying you have to get rid of all your fun. Your life will be a whole lot more fun when you have control. When you have sexual self-control. When you're someone that your family can look up to. When you open up your heart a little bit. One of the things about this challenge, about getting emotionally naked, about killing the red lizard, like I talked about in episode four, is that it, it becomes a, an adventure. Your life becomes an adventure getting through this stuff. Don't look at it as some horrible chore you have to do. You have to get rid of all your fun. Now, that's not the point. The point is how great your life will be when you get control of it. When you start to be the man that God wants you to be, that you know you can be, that you look up and say, you know, can I actually be a man of purpose or a woman of purpose? Be someone who's not scared and cowering in the dark anymore. That was me. I could take on anybody. I was on the surface a pretty tough guy, had a pretty thick skin, got in a brawl or two when I was younger. But in the, in the heart of me, I was this scared little frickin' kid just cowering away in the darkness, just not wanting to expose my heart. I put up this fleshy, tough guy attitude, and, you know, I was, I was a scared person underneath it all. Underneath it all, I didn't even know who I was. I wasn't clear on that. I was a car crash. I could relate to the uh, intro to the reality show Breaking Bonaducci. If you've ever seen that show. It's about a guy, child star from the Partridge family and he's gone through a lot of stuff and, and at the intro to his show he, it's one of the things he says, you know, you have every right to slow down and look at the car crash. He says, I'm a car crash man. That's who I was. I was a wreck. You had every right to slow down and look at the car crash. I wanted people to pay attention to me. It's something that got me uh, got me a little recognition, I guess. I went from being the introvert to the party guy on a path of self-destruction. Why? Because it made me feel alive at the time. What made me feel alive was killing me. And yeah, I kind of got emotionally naked in front of people at the time, but it was the wrong people. 
it was the people that fed my flesh made me feel that you know they would back up and make me feel good about my sin behavior and I was rotting inside thank God he never gave up on me you know I'd been saved a couple times before that but God never quit on me and my you know I knew that what I was doing was wrong I could feel it in my spirit and I met my wife and I fell in love I fell in love with her for a number of reasons but one of the things that I loved about her is that she loved me more than I loved myself in a lot of ways and she would not put up with my bad behavior she would not put up with my sin she would not put up with the stuff that I did that I knew was wrong but I did anyway that was very attractive to me I talked to a lot of people in this addiction, and they seem to have that same deal. A lot of folks do. I had no self-control, so I was attracted to someone who was going to control me a little bit. And in her heart, she felt like she was doing the right thing, and I felt like she was doing the right thing. But eventually, we have to own up to our own behavior. We have to do it for us, for our families. We're supposed to be the leaders of our household. We're supposed to command respect. So respect isn't just doled out to you. It's earned. You don't bully yourself into having respect. You earn it. For a lot of us guys, we're just not up to the job. I wasn't. We have to heal because we love our spouses. Not because they're going to kick our teeth in if we don't. Or vice versa. I would get fed up with being controlled in a certain area, even if it was bad. And we would fight. We would have big fights, blowouts. I was afraid to get emotionally naked in front of my wife, so I just let her have control of me a lot of times. Big, unhealthy cycle went on. I kept doing the porn in the dark. It's the one thing I had, the one thing I held on to. A lot of it is because I treated sex like a product, something to consume, something to use to, for my consumption, medication, whatever it was. It was the opposite of intimacy, the polar opposite of intimacy. So that's where we were at. That's where we were. It was a bad place. It was not pretty. I didn't have a lot of hope. So we went and got help, got counseling, got in a group. It was great. Started to fix our stuff. We still work on it to this day, but it's so much better than it was. We had the courage to step out and fight for our marriage. It takes courage, folks. But you're worth it. Your marriage is worth it. Your spouse is worth it. Your kids are worth it. Your future kids, if you're not married, you're worth it. God needs you be the hands and feet of Christ, be the answer to prayer to some folks. So commit to the process. What does that mean? Number one, confess it. The biggest power this thing has over you is that it's in the dark. Nobody knows about it. It's your dirty little secret. Tell someone. Tell a counselor. Tell your pastor. Get in a men's group and and tell those folks once you feel like you can be emotionally naked with them, tell them. If you're in the compulsive sexual behavior phase, I challenge you to get a counselor. 
you know if you're in this phase because what got you off last week doesn't get you off this week. Maybe the porn you're looking at is getting weirder and weirder. Maybe you're having affairs. Whatever it is, you're going to need counseling. Get emotionally naked with a trained professional who can help you. Don't just start throwing up on your spouse. That's emotional vomiting, in my opinion. Your spouse isn't there to catch your emotional vomit. Don't be make your spouse the direction in which all your hurt flows. That's why we have counselors, people that can help you with this. I'm not talking about keeping stuff in the dark and stuff like that. Or, You know, you need to talk about it with a counselor first. If you have to break it to your spouse, you do it through the counseling situation. You have much better odds of fixing your marriage that way than just emotionally puking all over your spouse without anybody there to guide you. It's very important. My first counselor told me that something like 70% of folks who do this end up in divorce court. You just end up puking all over your spouse without a counselor there to help you. It's dangerous for your family. This is touchy, touchy stuff, folks. It's got to be handled with care. Their spouse is in the dark about it. Or their spouse ends up catching them doing it. And that's why they end up that way. American Association of Matrimonial Lawyers in the year 2000 said that 50% of U.S. divorces were related to porn, related to sex addiction. Don't be a Lone Ranger Christian out there. If you're not a Christian, you need to get in community. Your family is worth it. Your kids are worth it. One of the biggest problems I had with trusting God was the fact that I was a child and I was praying on my hands and knees, please, God, don't let my parents get divorced. Don't let that happen, Lord, please. And those prayers weren't answered. My parents didn't get the help they needed. They didn't go talk to a counselor. Are your kids praying that prayer? Will they pray that prayer if your addiction goes unchecked? Be in the hands and feet of Jesus can be walking into the counselor's office and getting help before something tragic happens. Or if something tragic has happened, walk into the counselor's office. Do that. Check yourself. Next thing in committing yourself to the process is watch your thought life, where your thoughts lead you. Your imagination, what is it doing? What are you letting in? Are you squishing those thoughts? Are you snuffing those thoughts out before they become uh, plays in your imagination theater? Are you dwelling on staring at that woman too long or that image? Like in the uh, book, uh, Every Man's Battle, talks about bouncing your eyes. Bounce your eyes off of sexual images off women who dress scantily. They do it to get your attention. Bounce your eyes. Watch your thought life. When those thoughts come into your head, snuff them out. Just be aware of that stuff. It might be an image that pops into your mind. It might be the way a woman's walking. The way a guy's walking. Whatever it is, snuff out those thoughts. Snuff out those images in your mind before your mind your imagination turns that into a whole growth that you know what it's going to lead to. Snuff out them thoughts. It's another part of committing to the process. Thank you for listening today. 
The website is digitalaudioproject.com slash ASI. My name is Russ Shaw. My email is russ at digitalaudioproject.com. If you want to take a first little step in committing to the process, send me an email. Say I have a problem. I haven't told anyone, maybe. Put a hand up. It's like the guy said about the quicksand. You step in quicksand and it starts sucking you under. The more you struggle, the more you move around and try and do it on your own, the farther you sink. So put a hand up. Put a hand up to me if it, that's the safest place you think you can do it. Your emails are always private. I will not share your email with anyone. Russ at digitalaudioproject.com Thanks again for listening. Until next week, keep on fighting. Keep on exercising that heart of yours.